0: Sound seekers, welcome to the ultimate sonic experience of musical discovery, self proclaimed at least. The show is called Sound for Thought, and the host is called Andrew Schultz. Yours truly. First off, I want to say that I hope everyone out there is doing well. These are strange times we live in, and I wish you all nothing but good health and sanity during your quarantine. This episode was recorded remotely via the internet as will all episodes for the foreseeable future. We here at Redefining Records are dedicated to practicing social distancing and doing our part to stop the spread of COVID-19. But we are also dedicated to releasing new episodes and making other cool shit that can hopefully help some people stay entertained or something. This is episode number 15, which feels pretty crazy to me. I've honestly been blown away by how far we've come with the show, and how many people have taken the time to actually listen to this and share it with their friends. Together, we've discovered some awesome music I know I have, and we've just begun to scratch the surface of why people make music and what the point of making music is. I'm excited to keep going, which we will. And I'm also personally grateful for all the new friends that I've made, and the cool little community that has grown around this show. Today, I am more than excited to share with you a delightful conversation I had with Aaron Shadrow. You may know him from his solo work, or as a guitarist for Arrested Youth, or as a drummer for George Clanton, or as a bassist and producer for Wax Charmer. He's got multiple side projects on top of that. This guy is just always making cool shit. We talk about social distancing, his sporadic creative process, his dog Cooper, spiritual epiphanies, and so much more. Of course, as always... Aaron explains why he makes music. I want to say I also think this is a really good episode for discovering new music to listen to. I think over the course of the conversation, we discussed around 20 bands and artists you can go check out and explore. I know I found some new stuff from Aaron that I just checked out and I'm really stoked on, so keep your ears peeled. As I mentioned, this is the 15th episode, and yet after several months of running this show, I still find new and creative ways to fuck up. On this one, I totally forgot to ask Aaron one of the most essential questions of the show, which is to recommend one or two musicians to be a future guest on the show. Luckily, we corresponded quickly after that over text, and he gave me a shout-outs, which are Ocean Grove and Wax Charmer. Hopefully, I can hit them up soon. I am stoked to hopefully talk to them. You can find Aaron's music on all the streaming platforms, You can follow him on almost all the social media sites under Aaron Shadrow, his name, and on Instagram at torso underscore the underscore horso. Before we get to the interview, please enjoy Aaron's latest single on Spotify. This one is called Love Relapse.
1: Before you called my phone, I always thought you'd best be left. (laughs) This <laughs>
0: with you are you uh practicing your social distancing i guess uh, i sure am practicing my social distancing besides uh being in my little home studio
1: and being at my girlfriend's studio apartment i have not been pretty much anywhere in the past week so you know pretty much no outside contact with the world but i'm kind of enjoying it i'm not i'm not uh not opposed to this social distancing it's kind of a nice little uh
0: mental break from from the 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 rabble dabble society. Absolutely. I think a lot of people agree that maybe one of the positive things that'll come out of this is a lot of people, a lot of artists like you are at home working on new stuff in the studio. And so that's pretty exciting.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's a little bit of a challenge to just sort of turn on the creativity button. You know what I mean? Like prior to, prior to this social distancing, I feel like I was in one of the most creative lulls of my career. Um, I had not really been writing music for a couple months. I was really, you know, in sort of like promotional mode and working on, on gaining more skills rather than like writing music or being creative in any way. And that was kind of depressing me. So once the quarantine, you know, hit, I was worried that, you know, I'd just be sitting here miserable that I couldn't write anything. But after sort of compiling a lot of demos I've had over the past couple months and, Writing a couple more songs. Luckily, in the past couple of weeks, I've started to get a newfound motivation and a clear image of some of the stuff I want to be working on in the future. So, feeling pretty good about that.
0: That's good. That's awesome. Do you often find yourself in these creative lulls, and do you have a process for getting out of them in a normal situation? Um, sort of. I
1: think that there's there's like a. It's my my creative output so far pretty much for my whole life has been very, uh, sporadic, I'll say like first touch the album I put out in 2018 came together in a very short amount of time. Um, prior to that, when I was really young, I released an album called nighttime echoes, which when I was like 17 before I really knew how to do anything musical in a good way. Like I wasn't a very good songwriter or engineer, or anything like that. I put that out in, uh, 20 summer of 2016 so it was about two and a half years between that and first touch at a time you know i I put out a lot of music under an alias and i was in a lot of bands and i was sort of like staying busy but when it came to my solo career it was almost like two like two straight years of not really knowing what i wanted to do next but Mm -hmm. as soon as the idea of a couple songs came to me like exacto came out summer of 2018 and then i went on my first tour with arrested youth um, and had a lot of time in the van to sort of do some demos. And like on the very first day of that tour, I made the instrumental in the van for I Lie Awake. And then a couple of weeks later on tour, I made the instrumental in the van for Her Name. So when I got back, like I had a couple demos and I like sort of had this idea for an album and the concept and a vibe to throw together. And I'd say besides just though having X-Acto out and two instrumental concepts, um, it was about f- from that, like sort of skeleton, of the album, it was only about three weeks until the album was uploaded and out into the world. I just spent three weeks just like working on the rest of the songs. I wrote five other songs besides the cover, which I just recorded really quick and I mixed them and engineered them really fast. Like it just happened pretty much overnight. Wow. And then with this newest batch of singles I've been working on, such as making plans and love relapse, I, you know, I, that, I had like a one month period in April where I wrote a lot of song ideas. Um, And sort of narrowed them down to the best ones. I still have a couple that I'm sitting on. But since you know April, I'd say was the last time I really wrote like a a wealth of material I was really proud of. And since then it's been all like recording the material, engineering the material, writing the lyrics, recording the lyrics. And then, you know, I've been on and off the road with other artists. But then, you know, when, when Love Relapse came out, I was like, let's do the music video, let's do the promotion, let's do X, Y, and Z. So it's been a long time since I really like had a moment to just sort of breathe and feel like I could think about what's coming up next versus trying to like promote myself and grow off of what I've already got going on. I hope you're uh, I hope we're not getting too much of my dog there in the background, but that's my dog Cooper barking away.
0: Awesome. I, I love pups. I was, I almost always ask about pets because I just like to hear about people's pets. So.
1: Well, my dog is my best friend and he's, he's helping to keep me very sane during this crazy time. And what kind of dog? He's a Jack Russell Terrier mix with like a dachshund and Chihuahua. Probably he's got Dalmatian like legs. He's a very, very, interesting looker but you can see some pictures of him on my instagram stories pretty frequently If, if you,
0: yeah yeah i think i saw one are we, to cur-
1: are we allowed to curse on this just out of curiosity
0: oh fuck yes
1: okay cool i was gonna say if he fucks with my instagram then you
0: probably know if you know you know yeah well i okay let's dig into kind of some of this stuff a little bit i like to kind of take a step back always and start by learning a bit about your history growing up as a kid, like were your parents musical? Was there constantly music around the house? Like how did you kind of get into this whole thing?
1: So actually nobody really in my family at all, no uncles or aunts or grandparents or great grandparents or anyone really in my family lineage has been a musician. Um, That being said, my entire family are huge music fans, particularly my dad. Um, there's a closet in my parents' house that is completely dedicated to his vinyl collection. I'd say he probably has about 2,000 records from 1960 to 1990. Um, everything from classic rock to jazz to new wave to world music to early electronic music. He has a very diverse taste. And growing up, you know, he definitely exposed uh, me to a lot of interesting artists. The um, first thing you see when you walk in my parents' house is a framed picture of Jimi hendrix um so nice. he's definitely you know he was a very he was a big encourager of music and his two brothers are really into music and my mom's really into music so everyone loves it but nobody really played any instruments um i just have a really weird vague memory of being like eight years old in the car with my mom and there was a beatle song on the radio and i think in my like eight-year-old brain i thought ringo star was a really cool name so i was like i should be a drummer because it's a cool name and it's like a cool thing to do So when I was eight years old, I decided to start playing drums and that's kind of how it all started.
0: Hell yeah. Did you take lessons?
1: I did. Um, I took probably about four years of lessons, but for the first four years of playing drums, I was really like regretful that I ever decided to do it. I really wanted to be in the (laughs) NBA. I really hated it. It was sort of like homework. My parents were very like, you need to be practicing between lessons. Like if you're not practicing for 15 minutes a day, like you're grounded X, Y, and Z. Like it was very, they're trying to, you know, instill discipline into me, but it was, that was just never anything I wanted to do. I never wanted to practice like the charts that my teacher gave me or anything. Just wanted to be outside balling. But when I was 12 years old, I had like a, a very, um, clear epiphany that I wanted to spend the rest of my life making music. And from that moment on, I started taking drums really seriously but that was very quickly overtaken Um, a couple months later when I started to learn very basic guitar and bass parts. um, That quickly became what I really focused on. So around the time I turned 12 is when I shifted over to like really practicing guitar and bass a lot. And then around the time I was like 15, 16 is when I transferred over to really being focused on music production and synthesizers and electronic music and sort of all that. But now I like to so, you know, I I think I've, like, come into a, a point in my life where everything sort of holds equal importance to me. You know, I, like, I, I've, for the first time since I was about 12, this past year has been the first time I've started taking drum lessons again and, like, really practicing all the time. But prior to mm-hmm. that, when I started touring with the rest of the youth, I was practicing guitar all the time, like, five hours a day. Um, and, you know, the music I'm working on now definitely, like, blends all the facets of my life that were very... Um, Phasey, you know, like I went through a synthesizer phase and a guitar phase and a phase where I thought I'd be a jazz bass player and a phase where I thought I'd be a session drummer, and you know, I feel like my creative history has has always been very phase oriented. So I could say I'm still in a phase right now, but I feel like the phase I'm currently in is very equally spread. Like it's very important to me that my songs have cool drum parts that are also processed in a very interesting electronic way. And that the guitar solos are, you know, complement the song in the way that like a synth part might, or, you know, X, Y, and Z. I feel like everything's sort of like coming full circle in my life right now.
0: Mm-hmm. So when you introduce yourself to new people now, what do you say that you are? Um,
1: I think first and foremost, I say I'm a solo artist, which I guess is, pretty broad term but that's how I think of myself you know I do a lot of things outside of that obviously um, I toured for a number of years with Arrested Youth playing guitar I toured for a number of years with George Clanton playing drums I produce and ghost play bass in a band called Wax Charmer out of Los Angeles before mm-hmm. that I was in a multitude of bands so I've mm-hmm. always been doing Something musically, but the only thing in my life that's been a constant since I was like 12 or 13 or whatever is being a songwriter and making music under my own name and you know, playing all the instruments and doing all the production and doing everything in house. And that's where I find that I get the most creative satisfaction and the most artistic pride in what I do is when I am working on music by myself, which sometimes I wish it wasn't that way, but just for the way I am as a person, that's always been the. The most important thing to me
0: yeah i'm curious to hear a little bit about you mentioned how about the age of 12 you kind of had an epiphany that at the time it was immediately it was drums but then quickly after guitars but you you kind of had this epiphany that you knew you wanted to be a musician was there something that kind of triggered that some sort of outside force or or some sort of inspiration
1: yeah it was actually it sounds so corny but it's it's a it's a true story. I was in, um, I think I, I believe I was in like Northern Arizona by the Utah border, right on the Colorado river. There was no society around of any kind. I was on like a family vacation doing like a road trip type thing. And I just had a moment where I was completely by myself and surrounded by like this really loud sound of, the water flowing by in the river and like the wind going by on top of that and like birds and trees and everything. And just like really like felt a connection to the sounds that I was hearing and everything like that. And I don't know why that just translated into my brain is like, everything is music. Music is everything. Like I need to do music for the rest of my life, but that's yeah. pretty much exactly what happened. And I, I remember it very vividly. Um But yeah, that's, Kind of how it happened. And from that day, I have never once considered any other path in my life.
0: That's cool. Do you remember the first kind of original piece of music you wrote? Um or maybe the first couple.
1: Yeah. Uh the very first song I ever released, let's say, is a song called This Is a Long Drive Home and There's Nowhere to Find It on the Internet. But that was like the first real song I wrote. Um but funnily enough, I stole the vocal melody from that song and put it onto my song, I Lie Awake on First Touch. So that song kind of came Not back cool. and, and manifested itself. But if you take that vocal melody and make the song terrible and make the vocal performance terrible, that's essentially the song that I had. But that was probably when I was about 14, 15. So prior to that, um, I had written a couple of really rudimentary songs that you know, were completely... I mean, not, you know, my, my skill level and my knowledge of how to play the instruments were very low, so I don't, like, feel ashamed about it or anything. But it was just, like, there's a difference between, you know, th- that album I mentioned earlier, Nighttime Echoes, that I put out when I was 16, 17. Like, it wasn't very good, but, you know, there was cohesive song structure, and the vocal takes weren't terrible, but they weren't great. Like, I knew how to use synthesizers, but I wasn't very good at it. I knew how to mix, kind of, but I wasn't very good at it. Whereas the music I was making when I was like 12, 13 was completely incoherent and just like all over the Mm -hmm. place. And I had no idea really how to even play my instruments as well as I could. So, but it was all part of the process, I guess. But I, you know, I would say like the first real song I wrote was that song. This is a long drive home.
0: That's cool. I mean, of course, everybody has to kind of find their path. You got to start somewhere. So I feel like Listening to your music, it sounds like it's definitely started at a good place. You can see the progression, but I'm sure your older music is better than you would even think, because we're all like our own harshest critics, of course.
1: Well, thank you. Um, I don't agree with you on that. I'm sure if you heard it, you'd be (laughs) very embarrassed on my behalf, but that's okay. I mean, my my oldest song that's out right now, and we'll probably... It's, I mean, I, I've pretty much stripped Nighttime Echoes off of every streaming platform besides my band camp for people who really want to know where it's come from. But my yeah. oldest, the oldest song I have out that I'm not willing to take down and is still like my most rudimentary song, I'd say, and probably will remain to be my most rudimentary song is the song Evil. But, you know, that song, even though it's rudimentary, like it's good in its own way and it's kind of got like a unique character. So like, I don't think you have to be an amazing musician like show off and be flashy or have like a great vocal take to have a song that people identify with because that's still one of, people's favorite songs of mine. But, yeah, you know, that that will pretty much always be, like, my quote-unquote first, like, real song single release that I'm going to, like, leave up and continue performing for the rest of my life.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of that song. Thank you. Well, you're kind of mentioning your oldest song. I always like to know what your favorite song is. Like, what is your favorite original? Mm, oh, of mine? Yeah, of yours. Um, They're
1: all, I mean that's a hard question because they're all, they yeah. all mean obviously more to me than they do to anyone else. But, you know, for the same reason I could say evil is my favorite song of mine because it's the oldest and like holds the most sentimental value to me. And it's just so basic. And so, you know, just to the point I, in the same breath, I could say love relapse is my favorite song I've ever put out. Cause it's my most recent song. And it's like me, I feel like I'm most technically proficient on the instrumentals and on the engineering and everything like that so but yeah. at the same time like exacto which is in the middle of that i really like that song just because that's like i'd say of my songs if i was if i was not making my own music and i discovered myself as an artist i feel like exacto would probably be my favorite song of Er this like separate artist who i'm not if that makes sense
0: yeah it's um, like the one you would expect other people to kind of find and get into you with I mean not not necessarily like I don't you know if I heard let's say if I heard
1: all like the three songs I just mentioned as someone who's not making the music. Um Evil's like a very eighties pop sounding song and Love Relapse is a very like alternative nineties sounding song. Yeah. Um which I you know I love both of those, and the reason why I think those are two of my favorite songs is because they're referential to airs and music that really inspire me, and because of that, that sentimental meaning to me specifically. But if I were to go out of my way to listen to other artists making like '90s knockoff music or '80s knockoff music, I probably wouldn't be as impressed with it as something like X-Acto, which to me doesn't really sound referential to anything. It kind of sounds like more forward thinking. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like I I like Weezer songs more than I like exacto and love relapse sounds more
0: like a loser song for sure do you have a song that is in your head as kind of your least favorite or the one that never got to be what you wanted it to be um
1: i don't know for the stuff i have out now not really. There's a lot of songs in my back catalog and my computer that I've never released. That in my head, yeah. like when I wrote them and started working on them, I had a very clear image of what I wanted them to be, which is actually a problem I'm facing right now with the batch of music. A lot of the batch of music I wrote around making plans and love, relapse, I'm starting to really lose affection for, unfortunately. But when I wrote all these songs in sort of the same time period, I was imagining this like crazy 25 song album where every song was amazing. I can really hear them in my head. Once I started yeah. to lay them in the tape, like they just really never came to fruition to where I wanted them to be, unfortunately. So, you know, those those for sure are the songs that I, I would answer this question with. There's nothing really out that I don't like. I would say that I find it unfortunate that on Something to Prove, which is one of my favorite songs I've ever written, th- there's like a little bit of like clipping in the mix on the master. And I wish I had just like taken a couple more minutes to... Make the levels a little bit better, but you know I don't like yeah, it. I don't think anyone on earth notices that besides me, so I don't really think about it that way.
0: yeah, definitely not so I'm curious, with all your different projects that you have going on and touring and working with other artists i'm I'm a little curious to hear about how you kind of schedule your your time, like how are you with time management
1: well. It's sort of like a throw and go system where, you know, the, the, I'm, I'm, I'm at a lot or historically I've been at a lot of other people's beck and call where, you know, their tours get booked and I'm sort of like, okay, how do I, I I didn't know about this. Now this tour's coming up and let's say, let's say the Arrested Youth Tour that I did uh, from October to uh, December of 2019, I, you know, we, that tour was presented to me late August, and so that was really only with about like two and a half months before we left. So in late August, you know, my plan for the rest of 2019 was to spend the next four months at the studio working and finishing all these songs that I'd, I'd like written earlier in the year. But then it's like, Oh, I get this announcement that I'm going on tour for two months. So like my entire schedule needs to rearrange. So I need to like really rush and like finish love relapse and finish making plans as soon as I could. And like, rearrange a bunch of the production I was doing with Wax Sharma on their first EP and try and like speed that up. So mm-hmm. that's just an example for pretty much everything that I've been doing in the past year and a half, two years. It's all been very like throw and go, figure it out, reschedule, roll with the punches. Like if things like need to be rearranged, like they need to be rearranged. That was a big reason why Wax Sharma, which was formerly Jubilo Drive, which I was a full-time member of, I had to sort of like step out because I was inhibiting them from performing and writing as much music as they possibly could because I was on tour with other acts sort of like not being able to contribute as much as everyone else, which is why the workflow then made a lot of sense. But now that we're in quarantine, it's like I realistically have a lot more time on my hands. So like we're all like working a lot more music together than we have been in the past couple of months. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, my time, my idea of time management was so different one week ago than it is now with everything pretty much being canceled. And now it's like, I have no idea how long I'm going to be cooped up here, but for the first time, like I don't have, I'm not really on other people's schedules right now. I'm on the global pandemic schedule and really like the (laughs) only thing I can do is when I'm by myself is work on my solo music. So it's a little bit of a blessing in disguise. Yeah. I mean, I am not, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to sound like it's a good thing that it happened. Like obviously Time. My oh, heart goes yeah. out everyone affected, but,
0: you know, don't want to sound like a dick. Of course not. I don't think you do. And I think it's important to kind of look for those silver linings and stuff in a time that is tough so that we can all, you know, stay positive and stuff. Right. Well, do you have any, like, strange tour stories from Arrested Youth or any of your tours What's like this weirdest thing that's happened to you on tour? Uh, what's the weirdest thing that's happened on tour? Could be good or bad.
1: Um,
0: and it doesn't have to be profound. It's a
1: that's a really good question. There's it's it's all the, the thing about going on tour is that so much of it becomes a blur. Because yeah. every single day, you know, you're, you're waking up in a, in like a certain city that you weren't in the day before. And then you're in a car for say six hours on average. And then you're at the venue, sound checking, relaxing for a little bit, performing, and then maybe off for another hour drive. And then you wake up in another city at the end of the day. So it's like all the little details get lost. Cause it's just like the same thing every day, but the same thing, the thing that's the same is that literally everything's different. So that combination makes for things to be very hard to remember. Um, but the what's a good tour story? Um well uh, when we went on the hundred percent electronica tour in January to the very beginning of February of twenty nineteen, it was uh George Clanton, uh surfing, satin sheets, and then I opened with my solo material. So we were all traveling together and we landed in uh it was like the, it was a weird routing. It was only San Francisco and LA, and then we did Virginia, DC, Philadelphia, and New York. So we like did a little bit of California and just flew right to the East Coast. So we landed in Virginia, and satin sheets and surfing are both um, are from New Zealand and Australia, respectively. So they had never been to Chipotle. So we went to Chipotle, <laughs> and like they were like, oh, like we're gonna get uh, Ebola or whatever, like thing was happening at Chipotle or E. Coli or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, I was like, no, you guys will be fine. Like I go here all the time. It's great. So when we hit DC, uh, Penny from surfing had really gnarly food poisoning. And then the next day in Philadelphia, sand sheets got really gnarly food poisoning. And then the very next day in New York, I got the worst food poisoning I've ever had in my entire life. So we like all spread around this like little like stomach bug to each other. And it was gnarly. All of us were like completely out of it, puking our guts out.
0: And right
1: after right after um that tour ended, we were in New York and uh George and I by ourselves went off to Connecticut because he was going to be interviewed by Anthony Fantano. And that was like the day I really had my bad food poisoning. So we're like at this art gallery in Connecticut, like 20 minutes before Anthony Fantano shows up and I'm like puking my guts out on the (laughs) sidewalk after like being up all night doing the same. So that was like a very strange experience when we all passed that around. That's it. That's a good strange story
0: that is that is a good one so let's dig into kind of the music that inspired you to play music a little bit and I was listening to your playlist earlier the songs that inspired first touch really good mix of songs on there but I want to hear about kind of the music that made you basically
1: right um well, that always changes, but I think that, once again, with a lot of things in my life, it's kind of come full circle, and a lot of the things that inspired me early on are, are what's inspiring me again, whereas at the time, I was, between Nighttime Echoes and First Touch, like a lot of what I'm listening to right now, I thought was like really lame, because it was what I listened to when I was like 13 or whatever. But yeah. I would say that I learned how to play guitar and bass, and kind of learned about music theory and like songwriting. By learning literally every Red Hot Chili Pepper song under the sun. And oh, I just nice. learned it. I'm all note for note on guitar and bass. And I started to realize like, oh, this is like what he's doing in every song. Like, oh, these chords yeah. go together. These chords don't. So that's kind of how I pieced it together. But specifically John Frusciante from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I'd say, is like my number one musical influence of all time. Um, and then I stopped listening to them for a long time. But for the past year or two, like I've been getting really back into them. You know, they're brilliant. And I'm thrilled to see that he's back in the live lineup. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Cool. I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna try and do everything in my power to get up to Bottle Rock in uh end of May to go see them, but who knows if that's still going on. Um, but yeah, so that's definitely a big one. A lot of like early new metal influenced me when I was like thirteen. Like, Korn is a huge influence of mine. System of a Down, Slipknot, stuff like that. Made got me was like what I was listening to when I first got really inspired by music. But then when you look at a playlist like First Touch, you see a lot of things like you know, George Clanton's music or like eighties like dream pop like cocktail twins or whatever. Yeah. Whereas what's, what was inspiring me then. And um prior to that, when I was first getting into electronic music and like Vaporwave and everything like that, a big reason I was getting into that was it was the first time in my life I was really getting into like modern hip hop. So people like Playboy Cardi or like Future or whoever's popular at the time, Migos, like in like mid twenty fifteen. Cooper um, but, uh, it's really, it's a wide array. I think, you know, I, I, I sort of had a feeling you'd be asking a question like this. So I was thinking about it before we started this interview. And that's, I think that historically throughout my life, the the one common thread between the music that inspires me is that I like music that really demands your attention and is really enveloping and has like dense mixes and is like really yeah thick and and in your face like you know i love death metal i love hardcore punk i love funk music i love deep house music i love uh what's another good example um well st- you know stuff in that vein whereas like folk music historically has never really been something i'm super interested in um yeah, i get because, you or like singer-songwriter music or like really, like, pleasant indie rock. I like things that, like, have a lot of edge to them, have a lot of uh, obscurity to them, things that, I mean, but, you know, like, in in the same way that I think Britney Spears had, like, a lot of obscurity to her music, you know what I mean? I'm not saying I just like experimental shit that, like, nobody likes, like, I think that Britney Spears' 90s output has some of, like, the most dense and thick production ever. It's not, like, even though a lot of people like listen to it quietly on the radio, it's like when you turn it up, there's a lot of nuance and there's a lot of like low end and high end and mid range. And it really like sucks your attention in versus like Taylor Swift, who I've personally have no interest in or like Ariana Grande, who I personally have no interest in. Not that she's, you know, like I don't think that they're talented or they have good production themselves. It's just like, I don't know. I, I, my, my genre, my genre pickiness is, is pretty much slim to none. I don't care what genre it is but when it's yeah. in those genres my picking this is is a lot there's a lot of picking this. I don't really think that there is such thing as genre really. To me it's there's only music that I like and there's music I don't like and it really doesn't matter what it looks like.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's one song on this playlist that I think obviously fits your description and it's your playlist, but I wanted to bond over that you put Pow Pow by LCD Sound System. It's one of my song. favorites. That's Excellent. one
1: of the best records of all time in my opinion.
0: I, 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 I agree. Album. I
1: mean yeah that's that's a that's really a perfect example. I mean that music is like so psychedelic and entrancing in its own way because it just like gets bigger and bigger in and, and size and like it's not traditional song structures but there's so much punchiness and there's so much emotion in uh James Murphy's vocal delivery like it's obscure but like it's not it's not unlistenable, you know? what I mean that's like that yeah, is exactly. I'd say I you know you really hit the nail on the head with that pick because that is really like such a fantastic record.
0: Yeah. And what are some songs and artists that you're super into at this moment? Like what's kind of on replay for you right now?
1: Um, I'm really into the new garden record that came out a couple days ago. Yeah. I think that they are really brilliant. Sonic explorers, and, but with a very smart song and uh, pop sensibility. There's a band I just discovered a couple of days ago called ocean grove out of Melbourne. And they're like, Sort of like new metal and like two thousands alt rock revival, but with a very nice modern edge to it, and I really like that um I've been listening to the new against all logic aka Nicholas Straw record pretty much exclusively because it came out earlier in January, so that's been like my favorite record up until this past week where those uh, previous two records I talked about came out. but that against all logic album came out and it was just absolutely fantastic but really for like the last year, the majority of my musical intake has been death metal, black metal, new metal. I've just been in a really big metal phase lately. So I've been listening to a lot of like nineties sort of classic death and black metal, a little bit of modern stuff. Um, but sort of all over the place. Uh, yeah. I, what, I don't even know what I've been listening to. With you. But that's, that's probably the best answer.
0: That's great. If you have your, spotify near you accessible
1: yeah you know question
0: i I see um what's the last song you saved let's see
1: the last song i saved is kids on fire by gold class which popped up in my discovery i have no idea who gold class is i have no idea when the song is i don't even remember what the song sounds like let's see it's from When is this from let's find out It's from 2016. Look at that. So they're a new band that I like, apparently. I've got an Aretha Franklin here, or song here that I liked recently. I got a Chick song. I've been, so I've been practicing a a lot of drums lately. And my new drum teacher slash new friend, Reese Hastings, um, who plays with a band called El Manana and I believe has previously played with Angel Olsen. Um, I saw his band perform like a month ago. They opened up for uh, Wax Sharma at their EP release show. But this guy just was like, the way he drummed really spoke to me and it was really like the way I wanted to drum on my music and drum with George when I played with him. Mm -hmm. So I like specifically reached out to him and, you know, was curious if he gave lessons and I've since taken one lesson with him and he's an excellent teacher, but he sent me a playlist of sort of like his drum inspiration. So within that there's a lot of classic jazz and soul music and funk music. So I've been listening to a lot of that lately. So Sing a Taylor, that's I'm sick. seeing a Bernard Purdy song in here, I'm seeing this Chick Corea song, this Retha Franklin song. These all came from his playlist. It's a lot of like really good feel drum music lately is what I've been listening yeah, to.
0: That's sick. Do you remember the last time something recent where you listened to something and it fully gave you the chills? The last time I listened to something that really
1: fucked me up was this song. Desidere, it's D-E-C-E-D-E-R-E by a band called Hell. And it's a 20-minute, like, like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a major key, positive, like blissful black metal song. And there's a lot of passages in it. There's about a four-minute just electric guitar intro that is just so beautiful and it goes into this like really thick sludgy black metal groove that's just so entrancing and like i listened to that 20 minute song like 30 times in december and like that every single time it was on like it just gave me so many chills there's like choir sections and it's a ridiculously good song if anyone out there is interested in metal or like long songs or doomy songs or songs that like are just super enveloping that is a brilliant song
0: i'm gonna check it out it's I don't really, normally listen to like a ton of metal, but it, just that description is too intriguing not to listen.
1: It's uh, that's uh, I think that's a really good foray into someone who doesn't typically listen to metal.
0: Yeah, and I love a song to be extremely long, personally.
1: Well, then definitely check this one out, my friend, because you will you will like it.
0: So basically, the main purpose of this podcast, and I mentioned this to you before, but I'm trying to explore basically what the point of making music is. And that's a really broad question and it can be taken a lot of different ways. So I'll just frame it directly to you and you can kind of answer how you want. But why do you make music?
1: You know, I think that's actually a really good question. Um, Obviously. Thank you. And I'll answer in kind of a roundabout way because I do think about it sometimes. But... I, you know, without sounding too full of myself or like above anybody else, because that's not how I feel whatsoever. I feel like making music is like a really stupid thing to do and it's not (laughs) like doesn't really do. I think that, I mean, in, in a lot of different, in a lot of different ways, I think there are some people that agree with me on that, but I just, I I think that it's like taking yourself seriously as a musician in the hopes of like other people taking you seriously, I think is a very stupid mindset. The only reason to make music is because I literally have no idea what is driving me to do it, but I, I cannot shut it off. Like the, the reason to make music is because there's no, there's no like way to describe it in the English language. Like it's just so dumb, but Mm -hmm. it's just innate with, if it's like, if it's innately within you, where you know that there's nothing else with your life that you could possibly do or nothing else that like makes you feel good, then that's really the only reason to do it. Um, yeah. And in another way, I'd say it's the only thing I do in my life where I don't notice time passing. Like I try really hard to meditate and I try really hard to like get out of my own head, but I can't do it. And the only times I ever feel like I don't notice time passing or feel meditative or I, or I'm, and, you know, they say the point of meditation is to be free of thought. And the only yeah. time I ever feel free of thought really is on stage. And second to that is like when I'm really in the middle of like working on a song and that's rare. Yeah. Like a lot of times when I'm working on songs, like I'm checking my phone or I'm thinking about other things or like I get lazy and I don't feel like setting up X, Y, or Z microphone. So like, it's not really as common that I really get like spaced out, but on stage, like that's really the only time I feel like completely meditative and out of my own head. And I'm not thinking about anything. I don't even know how long I've been out there until the set's over. Yeah. But I don't think there's really like, I don't know. I think that it's like, I think music is an amazing thing. I'm obviously, I'm blessed to have it in my life. I think everyone's blessed to have it in their life. But I don't think that it's like a noble pursuit. I don't think it's like, it makes you a good person. I don't think that it like contributes. A lot to society, obviously. I think it's pretty selfish thing to do to spend your entire life like pursuing music. But unfortunately, I just feel like I don't have any other skills or uh, in any capacity or have any motivation to really do anything else. And I deal with my emotional stress about feeling like a selfish person and feeling like I don't contribute that much to people. But you know, it's when I see X, Y, Z person send me a message saying that my music really helped them through a bad time and then the hospital listening to it or like, they were like feeling extremely depressed and it helps them get through that. That's when it like, I feel like, you know, I feel like that's the justification for doing it in the slightest. Yeah. But I don't know. I think a lot of people think that like making music and making art is this like really noble pursuit. And like, it's really like, it should be well-respected. And like you, it's like this really like high uh, level of living that like should be like, taken very seriously and I just don't think that that's true
0: yeah I think I already know the answer to this but do you ever feel like quitting um no
1: sometimes I feel like it's unfortunate if that makes sense yeah that I literally can't ever no matter how bad it gets yeah that's how I feel about it it's like fuck like when shit's not going well for me or opportunities fall through or my song doesn't do as well as I wanted to, or my merch doesn't sell as well as I want it to I'm like, fuck, well, this sucks. I wish that I had the capability to like walk away from this, but I just, I never in my life have like been like, maybe I should consider walking away from this. It's never been that. It's always like, well, fuck, like, I guess this is how it is. And I just have to live with
0: it. Yeah. Power through. Yeah. But
1: I don't know, I just, I, I feel like very, I'm proud of myself for being able to do everything I can do musically. There are people who are way better singers, way better guitar players, way better drummers, way better producers, way better engineers, way better showmen, way better everyth- composers than I am. There are people who are way better at everything I do, but I don't know a lot of people who can do everything I can do pretty well. And I think that that's my niche spot in the industry. And and I'm I'm proud of that. And I have a lot of faith in myself because I think that just in the way that the music industry has changed over the past 100 years, it's evolved from like, you know, I think that in, in the 1970s, it would be a lot more useful for me to be an extremely good engineer or an extremely good drummer or an extremely good X, Y, and Z because things were very regimented. Whereas I feel like in today's musical landscape, I see a lot of people who are getting work and are doing well for themselves do have a lot of like skills that they can bust out. maybe it's not always within the musical realm. Like some people are amazing drummers and engineers, but then also um, like photographers or video editors or content creators yeah. or something like that. But you know, that, uh, that I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. I like can make the, and I think that's why I enjoy making solo music the most out of anything is that when I'm in the, a band context, it's like, I'm bringing a good job to, to like from like ranging from like a good to great job at doing that one specific thing it takes to be as a part of the band. But when I get to be in the studio, it's like I get to be the whole band and I get to be the whole engineering team. and I get to be the whole marketing team. And like that, I would say I'm proud of.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really good take to have because having the mix of skills, I mean, all of those things kind of intertwine and they make you better at the other things. And I also feel like anybody who thinks they're the best at one single thing is like kind of doing an injustice to themselves. Because if you think you're the best at something, you're probably not, first of all. And then you're also like not leaving a lot of room for growth or or change. So,
1: yeah, I think that's a really, you know, that's that's a really dumb pursuit is yeah. to be the best for sure. Cause you never will be the best. There'll always be someone better than you. There'll always be someone younger than you who will be better than you when you're their age. And there will always be people who are going to be successful, more successful than you younger or more successful than you 20 years after you do it. Like the the amount of ways it can happen for people is absolutely insane. But, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of a guy named Kiefer. He makes music on uh stone's throw. Um, he's a jazz pianist from, uh, UCLA but makes sort of like lo-fi hip-hop uh, without mm-hmm. samples but he's actually the person who taught me how to use Ableton uh, when I was like 15 16 years old and something he told me is kind of like how I stay motivated and that's that there's someone out me or uh, so there's someone out there in the world who's pretty much at the exact same level that I'm at practicing right now and getting better than me and you know th- that's not that's not to like be in competition with that person it's more of like this mental thing where it's like there's a there's an alternate reality where there's an alternate Aaron Shadrow practicing and getting better right now and I want to be better than that ultimate reality version of me I just always want to be better than that like that like other Aaron out there that's like getting better than me and I just feel like I'm in competition with myself and myself only
0: yeah that's a good way to to take it I think too it's just like that in sports too I think it's always better in any kind of Thing where you're trying to grow and learn is to really just focus on beating your becoming a better version of yourself, I should say. So right,
1: and I think that it's important to be able to pull influence from people who are worse than you, yeah. because um, what's a good example? Let's say Ian from Arrested Youth, the frontman incredible lyricist incredible like uh he you know that that dude can come up with the lead melody for a song in his sleep and it'll be catching it'll be stuck he'll just hum something in the van and it'll be stuck in my head for three weeks and i fucking hate him for it but it's (laughs) like he's amazing at doing that but he doesn't really know how to play piano or bass or drums or anything like that and he's you know his his production skills I, are not, they're, they're, they've gone a lot better but since we started working together he really didn't know anything about it and just started doing very rudimentary productions but in those productions because his skill set is so limited he is taking advantage of things that I would never have thought to do like he was using very interesting sounds or like his melodies were so much more simple than mine but catcher I was like oh why don't I like try to simplify why don't I like scale back and like not yeah. try to be in competition with myself like I know that I'm as capable of making as basic of music as this person who's worse than me, but because this person is like simplifying it so much, like it's so much more interesting and it's so much, it's not about like showing off. It's about like creating something that's compelling to listen to. So it's like important to pull influence from people who are better than you so you can develop your skills, but people who are worse at their instruments than you are probably better at making a compelling song than you are most of the time, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. That's like, uh, I mean, people say the same of just kind of old bands like Nirvana or the Ramones and stuff, where it's just like simple chords, but like really compelling songwriting. The Ramones are like one of my favorite bands of all time.
1: So is Nirvana, but Ramones specifically are like genuinely, I think, true geniuses. And like, yeah, you know, I, I love Aphex Twin as well, and he's one of the most complicated music producers yeah. in the entire world, but so like the Ramones know how to like really hit like and tap into a certain level of emotion, And I think, I think that's because as human beings, we're just like, we go through a complex wealth of emotions ourselves, and sometimes our emotions and our thoughts are so complicated that we can't even figure them out. And sometimes we're just happy to be outside in the sunshine. You know what I mean? Like life goes through so many like crazy complications and so many moments that are so simple. And I think that that's why it's easy to, for me personally to like music of all skill levels.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. So what are your goals for the future? Where would you like to be in like three to four years?
1: Um, making money. <laughs> <laughs> um That's do it. no, I, I mean, I really want to start touring my solo music as soon as possible, opening up for other bands and getting exposure. Um, I've always felt like I have like a really brilliant artistic statement within me, but I've never had the motivation or discipline to really make it happen, and I'm hoping that with learning from my mistakes in the past and also with all this extra time on my hands, I can start to put together this idea for this concept I've had in my head for a long time of this musical statement I want to make, and I really want to I have I have like the a concept. What I'm trying to say is I have a concept for an album in my head that I think is going to be my best work to date for sure. And I'm really excited about that. But once that comes out, I want to do something even way better than that. And just constantly be in competition with that like hypothetical self of mine who's just gonna take the easy road and like make the easiest music possible. Not that like, you know, like like we were just talking about, not that it's like there's more validity to making a song that's like really complex and crazy than there is to a Ramone song, but like, I feel like the level of thought it takes to put into an excellent Ramone song is better than the level of thought that I put in to make a song that's way more complex. So I just want to take myself more seriously and put in more thought into what I'm doing, even if that thought is a choice to make it more simple or that thought is the choice to make it more catchy and less complicated yeah or if the choice is to go the alternate route and make it insane but i just think that i've spent a lot of time making music that is referential to the past because that's a lot of you know that that means something to me it it represents uh it represents influences in my life that mean a lot to me but Mm. you know i'm at a point where i feel like i've kind of done that enough times i really want to do something forward thinking
0: yeah well, I look forward to hearing all of those different variations.
1: Thank
0: you. Well, let's. I like to kind of end things on some kind of fun, lighthearted questions. And so here is kind of a fun question. You mentioned music is kind of your main thing in your life all the time. You don't know how to do much else. But when you're not making music, what are you doing? Like, what are your hobbies? Um,.
1: I've been watching a lot of Kirby Enthusiasm lately. There we go. I'm a big, uh, big fan of Larry David. Yeah. Um, my amazing girlfriend Elise, who is, is the light of my life, just moved from Chicago to Los Angeles for the next six months. So been spending a lot of time with her. That's I like awesome. To play, like to play with my dog. I like to cook. I like to buy clothing and look at clothing on the internet, and then get really anxious because i'm a materialist and that my my need for possessions is bogging my mentality down yeah but yeah that's the type of stuff i do mostly hanging out with friends hanging out with the boys smoking weed chilling hell yeah flexing on the gram there you go just regular regular bro stuff
0: yeah you mentioned clothing and it just reminded me i saw i read a bit about uh internet fashion online can you uh, tell me a little bit about that project
1: yeah so internet internet fashion was the um a concept i had for like a record label clothing company sort of thing that i probably came up with and started promoting about a month before i discovered george clinton's music and 100 percent electronica and the reason mm-hmm. i became such a big fan of his is because george had kind of done all these ideas i'd already thought of way better than i ever did And i was like why do i even why, why even try? Like this guy's already done everything I've ever wanted to better than me. So I kind of put it to rest because I didn't want to look like I was like ripping this guy off. Um, yeah. And nothing really ever came of it, but actually it's funny that you bring it up because today is the first time I've like kind of thought with all this quarantine stuff is, is what I could do with internet fashion and try to make it different from hundred percent electronica or literally anything else that's ever happened before. So it's sort of just a domain I have it's, just a vibe for now it's just internet fashion is just a vibe for now but one day it's going to be a real thing and I'm kind of thinking about what to make it but at this point I'm so focused on trying to get my career off the ground it's hard for me to think about like a company or collective or anything so I'm sort of thinking about like maybe some people I could collaborate with on that front but I don't know what it is yet I really don't know what it is yet at all and I should probably stop using that email and handle but you know, maybe well it's, maybe it's subconscious maybe it's it's the universe telling me that I need to take it more seriously
0: yeah I support it I think keep it on the table even if it's on the back burner you know there's no reason to give it up and you can always just get to it later
1: yeah well I you know that's that's hopefully what this quarantine will help me out with is is writing this good album and making uh, a new wave for myself I really had sort of this is you did you we did this interview at a very good time where I'm thinking about things very differently. But something a big thing that I've learned from working with people who are farther along in their careers than I am is why should people care about Aaron Chandra? And to be honest with you, I've just been kind of going on autopilot for a lot of my career, writing music, releasing music, taking cool photos, doing music videos, which is like you know I don't regret any of that, but. I really want to start thinking about how to do things differently. And when someone says, why should I care about Aaron Chadro?" have a hundred answers that they could not disagree with.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you've given them some reasons today in this interview. That's kind of what I'm shooting for with this podcast is to kind of get into the why of things.
1: Well, this is, this is a great podcast. You should be you should be very proud of yourself because this is
0: very Thank fun. you. Thank you. Hopefully it could help help you think about it at least at the very least.
1: Well, thank you. It's good. it's helping me with my self-motivation. That's, cool. That's the best part of it all.
0: Okay. Uh last thing before I let you go. Um I have this game I like to play at the end of the show. It's called Soundtrack to Your Life. Basically it combines my love of movies and, and TV and, and music together because I really am into soundtracks. So I will read you a few scenes. Basically, you pretend like you're in a movie, and you tell me what song is playing in the background in a given scene. Okay. You down? And do if you can't, If you can't think of anything, you know, just pass.
1: I'll think of something, I bet.
0: I tried to be um, as specific as possible when I was writing these, so to see what the mood is for you. So, scene one. You are 48 years old, living alone in an old, run-down RV deep in the middle of the Alaskan wilderness. You were once a doctorate student at Caltech studying applied physics, but you dropped out, spent the rest of your life as an outcast. Now it's years later. You finally fulfilled a dream that you secretly pursued all these years. You've successfully built a fully functional time machine?
1: Mm, Well, up until you said time machine, I was thinking about eyes of the world by grateful dead. There you go. Um, but the time machine, uh, I don't know. Let's just go with
0: that. Eyes of the world.
1: Eyes of the world by grateful dead.
0: Yeah. I was like the gut reaction that's my gut reaction for that one okay scene two you are a newborn puppy you are a dog you have spent the first few weeks of your life confused trapped in a small cage today a human picks you up out of the cage and hands you to another human with a very kind face they give you a treat wrap you in a blanket and put you in their car you're on your way home
1: Drake's Just Hold On, We're
0: Going Home. There we go. Perfect. Great song. I love that song. Okay, final scene, scene three. You are walking down the street to your local 7-Eleven. You walk in, fill up a Slurpee cup with your second and third favorite flavors because the first flavor was out of order. You grab a bag of chips, whatever your favorite chips are. You head to the cashier to pay. The cashier lady rings you up and tells you that your total is $7.11. I'm
1: going to say Black, Jewish, and Poor by Void. There we go.
0: Perfect. I think you nailed it.
1: Thank you. Now that's a good song. The Grateful Dead song is probably like 15 minutes. That Void song is like 43 seconds.
0: I like it. I like that uh, juxtaposition. Thank you. I tried to create some variation in the moods without being too cliché. I like that. That was great. That was, uh, you're, you're a brilliant man. Thank you. I, um, I get that all the time. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure. Why don't you, um, just list off all your social medias and like places where people can find your music and follow you.
1: Sure. Um, you can find me on Instagram at torso underscore the underscore horso, and that's H O R S O. Or you can just look up Aaron Shadrow, and you'll find that, and you spell that like A-A-R-O-N-S-H-A-D-R-O-W. I'm on Twitter as Aaron Shadrow, and I'm on Spotify, and everywhere else you listen to music as Aaron Shadrow. Um, be sure to check out my newest music video for Love Relapse. It just came out about a month ago. That's on YouTube. If You look up Aaron Shadrow, Love Relapse.
0: Sick. I also want to put in there, I want to plug Game Boy Advance. I was listening to that earlier. That was sick.
1: Yes, Game Boy Advance is unfortunately somewhat of a dead side project of mine, but if you want to go check out some synthy instrumentals that I made back in the day, you can find that at Game, B-O-I, space, A-D-V, and you'll check out some,
0: some fun tracks. It's good stuff. I recommend. Thank you very much. All right. Keep making cool shit. We always end with a high five. I'll count down from three. Let's do it three two one nice perfectly on time
1: well done thank you very much for this fun interview i wish you the best of luck and for anyone listening all the way to this point thanks for taking the time to listen to me talk about my life